seated, seated. Hey, Chris, do me a favor. Put up our confession up there. I know we should have said this when we gave, but see, you know, we make this confession when we give because see, your words have power. Your words have power. What you say has power behind it. Whether you understand that or not, whether you believe it, there's power in your words. And I guess it was, I don't know, about five, six months ago, we started speaking this, what we're about to say, and I'll just have, just repeat it after me. Doesn't matter, just say the words because there's power in them. We're releasing our faith. You're releasing faith. And we've seen things happen in our lives just by saying this. All right? There's been things happen. So let's go ahead and make this confession of faith. Hallelujah. Go ahead. As I tithe and give offerings, I'm believing you, Lord, for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, discounts and dividends, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills decreased, bills paid off, blessing and increase. I thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs, that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of those things we've already seen come to pass in our lives. I mean, there, there, there was a time, there was been several times, it was almost weekly we had checks coming in the mail, bills being paid off, things like that. See, because it's, uh, it's the confession of your, of your, of your, your words. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Long story short, what does that mean? It means what you say, and you say a lot of it, it'll come to pass in your life. Now, God wants you to speak life-filled words. The devil, he wants you to speak what? Death-filled words. All right, And you'll, if you'll notice... What people are always talking about, that's what starts happening in their life. You know, you hear people complaining that they, they, they never have enough money, and they don't. Why? Because that's what their confession is. You know, it, you've heard people say stuff like this. Well, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Well, that's why that's, that's the way it is, because that's what you believe. But see, if you turn things around in your life, and you start confessing the right things... God will start moving in your life, and things will start happening. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's open our Bibles here to uh, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And I want to talk to you today about the effects of worship. The effects of worship. A lot of people don't understand that worship is a very, very powerful force, and a lot of times we overlook it in the Word of God, in things of God, and we, we uh, lose sight that through worship, 
you can receive anything that you need from heaven. Whatever, I don't care what it is, whether it's finances, a job, healing, health, direction, you'll receive it from heaven and we'll see, we're going to see it in Scripture. We'll see it come to pass in Scripture. See, when you start to see it, that's what the importance of looking at the Word. When you see it in the Word, you cannot argue against it. Your flesh will want to, but see, when you look at the Word of God and you see what the Word of God says about a situation, you can't not deny it. Now, it may not come to pass in, in, in your life or other people's lives, but that doesn't change the Word of God. Because God's Word says, His Word, O Lord, the psalmist said, Your Word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. It ain't changing. So what do we have to do? we got to get into agreement with His Word. All right? When you get into an agreement with His Word, things will start to happen in your life. Things will start to change. Now, how long does it take? I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's quickly. Sometimes it's over a period of time. I believe personally a lot of it has to do with, with our, belief, our level of belief. Do we really believe it in our heart? Or is it just head believing? So see, it, your, your, your believing may start out in your head. You may say something and believe it in your head, but it hasn't really got here. Now, how long does that journey take from it to go from here to here? Well, that's, everybody's different. Sometimes, some people, it'll just happen just like that. Others, it may take, you know, a few weeks, a few months, even a few years. It's, it's, it's different. But we want to look here. There's three steps to receiving from heaven that worship basically uh, Will, will take effect in your life and cause things to change. The first one that you have is you have to answer the situation in your life. You have to answer it scripturally. All right? If, if for instance, if you're about to lose your house, all right, you have to answer that situation in your life. You can't just say, well, Jesus loves me, so everything's going to be okay. That's not specific enough. You've got to answer that situation by speaking to it and saying, devil, now you listen here. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's scriptural. And you have to answer it. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, you shall speak to your mountain. You shall say to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and you don't doubt it in your heart, you'll have what you say. Those are Jesus' words. So there's power. You have to answer it. And it doesn't matter what the situation, this applies no matter what's going on in your life, whether you're losing your home, and, and then, you know, what you have to say, and I will not lose my home. You've got to be forceful. It says that in the word of God that, that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, at first glance, when I first looked at that script, scripture, I thought, so heaven's under attack? 
there's a lot of violence going on there in heaven? No, no, that's not, that's not what it means. You see, you've got to rightly divide the word of God. That word suffereth in the King James, it actually means the kingdom of heaven encourages violent taking. And those that are violent will take it by force. Remember, Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. What was he saying? He was saying, don't stop them from coming to me. Encourage them to come to me. All right? So see, suffereth not, is, is not something negative. It's a positive thing. The kingdom of heaven encourages violent taking, and those that are violent take it by force. And that doesn't mean violent as in you're hitting somebody, you're, you know, you're hurting people. It means that you're aggressive in, in receiving from heaven. If you're just going to sit back and think, well, God's going to do it for me and there's nothing I'm going to have to do, you're going to be in trouble. You might lose your home. You might lose your job. You might lose your car. You might lose your life. Why? Because the attitude that you have. See, and that's why a lot of times when we see bad things happen to good people and other Christians will stand around and ask, well, I don't understand, God. Why did that happen to them? They're good people. They're nice people. They love you. Well, see, in Hosea 4, 6, it says there's two reasons why God's people are destroyed. Two. Not more than two, just two. A lack of knowledge and because they rejected. All right? It's what you don't know that can hurt you. It's what you don't know that can kill you. It's what you don't know that can cause you to suffer for years and years and years and years and years and can affect your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. I've seen it go throughout homes, families, and generations. They call it generational curse, but see, when you became a born-again Christian, you were no longer under the curse. He, he freed, he redeemed you and me from the curse of the law, so we're not under that curse. But see, if I've not been taught any differently, I believe that, you know, well, that curse is going on in my life. You hear people talk about it all the time. Well, we, you know, cancer, well, you know, I, not me personally, but I'm saying you hear this, you hear this statement, cancer runs in my family. My grandfather died of it. My father died of it. I'll probably die of it. See, that's kind of, that's kind of thing. That's, that's death, speaking and giving voice. What you give voice to in your life is what's going to operate in your life. If you give voice to the things of God, God's going to move in your life. If you give voice to the things of the devil, the devil's going to operate in your life. It's that simple. So you know, the, the, the second thing we do, all right, we answer it specifically. The second thing we do is we tell the devil to get out. You got a situation, you say, now devil, you get out of here and quit harassing me about my home. Leave. The Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee. So you got to do some resisting. The third thing you do, and really the first two things, they don't take but a moment. You answer the situation, it doesn't take but minutes. You might have to go look up a scripture or two, so that might take you 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Tell him to leave, that's just a moment. The third thing you do is worship.
Now that there is going to go on daily. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with just one time. You continue in it. Psalm 34, you there? Look at verse 1. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse 3, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now we're going to look at that first verse. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now what's that word bless mean? That word bless means empowering to prosper. So when we see where God says he'll, he will bless you, and he will bless you, he'll bless me, what is God saying? He's going to empower you to prosper. You have the power, you have the ability to increase because it's the power of God. God's putting it on you for you to increase. Now, does that mean you just sit back and do nothing? No, no. You, that means now you've been given the ability to increase. But let's take it... And turn it around here because what, what is the Lord, the ability to increase in my life? So you turn that around. See that? I'll bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to give him the ability to increase in my life at all times. That's really what the psalmist is saying. And how does, he do, how does the psalmist do that? You do this by what you're saying, by what you're meditating on. Now, I realize we have jobs and we have things we got to do, and we just can't walk around at work just blessing the Lord and all That's not what he's talking about. It, it's a heart attitude. If your heart attitude is that you are going to bless the Lord, you're going to worship him, all right? You worship him in everything that you do. You worship him, you worship the Lord in how you treat people. You worship the Lord in how you do your job. You worship the Lord in how you talk to your spouse. See, that's a form of worship. We don't think about stuff like that. So, in, in a marriage, you know, like I say, in a marriage situation, how you treat one another, and I'm not talking about in public, because you look at most couples in public and they're the ideal couple, right? I'm talking about when you're behind closed doors, when you're at home. How do you treat each other? That reflects your worship. It's a form of worship, how you treat one another. Because the Bible says, whatever you do, do it as you, you are doing it unto the Lord. Right? So how we talk to each other, how we talk about our jobs, how we talk about our bosses. we got to so watch these things. Right? Because it's a form of worship. So see, in all that you do, you're, you're worshiping God because what you're treating people right. You're not treating how they, how they deserve to be treated. Because a lot of people out there, they deserve to be treated pretty bad, right? No, you're, tre you're treating people how God would treat. How he looks at them in, with love. All right? That doesn't mean you stand there and let people take advantage of you and beat you up. That's not what he's talking about. But you, you treat people with respect. Why? Because that's the love of God. And, the, and in Romans, it says, don't you know that, the, that the, uh, the goodness of God, it leads people to repentance. 
Think about that. Taking this Bible and hitting people over the head with it, it doesn't lead people to repentance. Me taking this Bible, this word, and, and talking about a person's sin, that doesn't lead them to repentance. I don't, I don't know of anybody in my life that I've ever led to the Lord by doing that. Talking about their sin, that, that, didn't get, that didn't lead them to the Lord. But when I talk about the goodness of God, all right, hearts start melting. Hearts start softening. They start, they're more willing to listen. They're more willing to, to, to wrap their faith around it and see that God doesn't hate me, he loves me. He, now, he hates sin, but he doesn't hate me. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't hate them. So see, when we start talking about that, what are we doing? We're worshiping the Father. We're worshiping the Father in, in how we treat people. Okay? Go to, um, go to Hebrews chapter 13. I want you to look at something here. Hebrews 13. And I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified. The Amplified, all it does is just simply gives a little bit more um, wordy than what the King James or the New King James, um, whatever version it is that you use. I personally, I use the King James almost uh, all the time. But I do, I do like other, other versions a little bit because they do, they do help for clarity. Especially the Amplified because it does exactly what it says. It amplifies. In Hebrews 13 and verse 15, let me read this. It says, Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Think about that. Let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. What's a sacrifice of praise? It's when you don't feel like you don't feel like praising. Have you ever felt like that, Pastor? Oh, yeah, many times. Many times. And a lot of times on a daily basis. But what am I going to do? I, I, I'm not going to sit there and woe is me. Woe is this situation. Well, I'm, I'm going to start praising him. I'm going to start worshiping him. Well, what is that? What's the word call that? It calls it a sacrifice of praise. So the, he, he says here, he says, let us offer a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips that thankfully acknowledge and co confess and give glory to his name. You know, one of the things that happened uh, with me when I was diagnosed with cancer, and after, you know, those of you that I think most of you in here know, you know, after I got the diagnosis and I went to the Lord and asked him about what happened, and I said, I, I knew the Lord didn't put cancer on me. He, he doesn't have any cancer. Where would he get it from? He'd have to steal it from the devil. So it came from the devil, or, or I, opened door, I opened a door, and the Lord you know, showed me the, where I, I had missed it. So I repented. And then after I had repented, and the Lord told me, he said, in 30 days this will all be gone. Then what I did is I took the word of God, because I knew how to, now I know how to attack this thing. Because I've, I've heard from heaven. I know 30 days, this is going to be, it, it's, it's changing in 30 days. It's going to change. 
All right? Now I take Scripture, and I speak healing Scriptures over myself. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you sent your word and you healed me. I thank you that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. That's what your word says. I agree with it. By his stripes I was healed 2,000 years ago. Right? I will live and not die. And I will declare the works of the Lord in my life. Now, after I said them scriptures, and it may be, there may have been one or two others, I stopped and I said, Lord, Father, I'm just going to praise you the rest of the time. Thank you, Father, for healing me. Oh, I worship you. I praise you. Thank you, Father. You're so good to me. You're so good to me. How faithful you are. You know, we just sung a song about, he's faithful. He's faithful. And I, you know, and I just kept, I get, just kept, I, I sat there in, in, my, in my chair at home and I just, for about an hour or two, I just worshipped him. I just said, Father, I just worship you. I thank you, Father. You, you've been so good to me. You've been so good to me. I thank you, Lord, that I have, a, I have a relationship with you. I talk to you. You talk to me. Right? Amen? So see, what am I doing? I'm worshiping the Lord. And, and from that day forward, I just continued to worship. I didn't go back and rehash this stuff about what the, what the doctors had said. I did what the doctors said I had to do. I mean, there was something I had to go through surgery and all that. But... My attitude wasn't rehashing that stuff. My attitude was, Father, I thank you for healing me. Lord, am I, I'm worshiping him. I'm spending time worshiping the Father because there's something that happens when we worship the Father. Now, some of you have heard me say this but, but before, but uh, there was a man of God that, that had um, Jesus speak to him. And... and Norville Hayes is his name. And Norville Hayes said that the Lord appeared unto him one evening and he said, my people basically love me. But they're sickly, they're broke, and they're depressed. And the reason why is because they don't worship me long enough. Now, Look at that word, long enough. What God was saying was, the Lord wasn't saying that people need, there's a time frame that if you worship him long enough, things will change in your life. He's talking about worshiping him long enough that the manifested presence or the anointing, what we call, the anointing of God comes into our situation. When the anointing comes in to our situation or your situation, what does the anointing do? In Isaiah, it says the anointing destroys the yoke and it lifts the burden. So what the Lord was saying to Norville Hayes is, he said, my people basically love me, but the reason why they're sick, they're broke, they're depressed, they have all these issues in their life, is they don't worship long enough. Notice the, the key word there. They don't worship long enough. You know, we may stand up and worship the Lord in a song or something like that, but see, we need, to, we need to become more skillful at worshiping the Father till the anointing comes and breaks whatever it is that, that's on us. You know, if you go, you're going through a season where you, you, you know, you're, you're depressed and you don't even know why, 
I mean, there's lots of people I run into. Say, you know, they, they, they feel depressed. And they, they, well, is there something going on in your life? Not really. I just I don't know why. I've, just, I've had this for, for a long time. I've dealt with it. Well, see, it's a spirit of depression that's trying to get on. And what does the Bible say? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What does praise do? Praise is worship. Right? Praise brings you into worshiping the Father. And there's power when you worship that brings things, that brings things to pass in our lives. So see, if we're, if we're spending our time worshiping the Father, talking about the Word of God, what's, what force is active in our life? The power of God. But if we go along talking about around talking about all the problems that we're having, all the issues that how things are going in our lives, what force are we enabling to work in our lives? The demonic force. You see? So what you do is you you open a door for the devil to have his way with you because of what your attitude, how you're what you're speaking, what you're saying. how you're conducting your, your business. You know, this young couple over here, in, uh, in this time in their life, you know, they're, on their, they're, they're mining their P's and Q's. Why? Because they're, they're in that relationship that's going to culminate in a marriage. All right, so they're watching everything they say, right? I mean, I'm just being that's We all do it. We've all had that happen. But see, what happens is once, once they get married, then there's a, a change that takes place because what? Because the devil comes in and he tries to attack the marriage. But if you don't know how to handle it, you, let, you yield to his ways. All right, you, let, you start letting little things get in between you. You start getting angry over things that, hold it, well, a month ago, it didn't bother you. Now all of a sudden, it does. Why? Something's changed. Well, what's changed? You're not focusing on pleasing the other person. You're focusing on what? Yourself needs. Yourself. See, and that's what the devil will do. But when we're focusing on, on the Word of God, we're focusing on what heaven's doing and what heaven says, what happens? you don't get upset about the little things. You don't get upset at your spouse. You know that all I have to do is continue worshiping the Father because as I worship the Father, His presence, that anointing will come. And what will it do? It'll destroy that yoke that's attacking my spouse. See the power there? But we, we've done what? We try to get in the flesh and we try to say, well, I'm going to handle this on my own. And we do it by our flesh, and things just get all messed up. And we wonder why the thing doesn't change. Because you're, 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 you're handling it by the wrong spirit. You want the spirit of life to, ha to work at it, not the spirit of death. Amen? All right, let's go, to a, let's go to another one here. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, real quick. John chapter 4, or chapter 4. Jesus is speaking here in John 4, verse 23. He says, 
But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. Isn't that interesting? This is Jesus' words. He said, the Father seeks, the Father seeking me are you because you seek to worship him in spirit and in truth. Something's going to happen. Something's going to change. The problem with most Christians is we don't seek to worship the Father in spirit and truth. We just, we just want to give off the appearance that we're Christians. We like to go to church. Why? Because that's what Christians do. The Father, he's seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. What do I mean by worshiping him in spirit? What I just said. If I want my spouse to change, if I've got a, a situation with my spouse, I don't get in the flesh and try to, to get her to, to correct something. I get in the spirit and I worship the Father because the goodness of God leads people to repentance, leads people to change. So just as this young couple here, Junior and Aubrey, all right, as you're going through that courtship stage, you're on your best behavior. See, we should be on that constantly. That shouldn't just end once, once we get married. That shouldn't just end once we get born again. All right? And, and, and we're so thankful that God saved us. That should be a daily thing in our, in our walk with God. We should be worshiping the Father. And the Father, it says, the Father seeking those that will worship Him in spirit and truth. Now go to, go to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. I, I want you to see one here. Uh, maybe one of the last scriptures we, we, we look at this morning. And I love this story. There's a lot here in this story. How, how you receive from heaven is based on how you approach God. If you approach him based on his word, you'll receive. If you approach him based on your need, you're not going to receive. What do I mean? People get in trouble. Various types. And they go to God. Oh God, I need this. I didn't go to God saying, Lord, I got cancer in my body. I need healing. I already knew healing was mine. I already knew healing was the children's bread. I knew that. I went to him with a, in an attitude of worshiping him in spirit and truth. Father, you didn't put this on me. I know you didn't, because you don't have it. So either the devil's solely responsible for this, or I made a mistake somewhere. And I'd be willing to bet that I made the mistake. Who am I putting, who am I putting the, the blame on? I, I'm blaming myself. 
Yeah, the devil had his hand involved in it, but what was I do? I'm, I'm going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. So, Father, what I need, I, I need to know is, how did I do that? And he showed me. He gave me three things. I repented. I said, Father, forgive me. You're right. You're right. And after I did that, he said, in 30 days, this will all be gone. 30 days came, because within about three weeks after that, I had surgery. About a week or so later, got the results back. No cancer in my body. None. It's gone. Completely gone. Didn't have to have chemo or anything. Completely gone. But I worship the Father in spirit and truth. A lot of times when I said, I started to say, people, when they get in trouble, they go to God, God, I need you to heal me. I need, I need healing. What they fail to understand is healing's already theirs. God's not, God's not withholding healing from you. He's not sitting there like that guy on television that you've seen with the fishing rod and he got a bait out there and he said, ooh, 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 you almost got it. You almost got it. Right? No, he's not, he doesn't do that. He wants, he, healing is for you. You just have to, uh, you have to know how to appropriate it, how to receive it from heaven. And that's where people miss it. That's where people miss it. Luke 17, I want you to look here. Verse 11, it says, And it came to pass, speaking of Jesus, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Why? Because when you had leprosy, you, you weren't allowed to get around other people. All right, so they're standing, they're standing away from Jesus. And it says, and they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And verse 14, it says, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. They cried out to Jesus, have mercy on us. What were they saying? Help us. Have mercy. Give mercy to us. And Jesus, his, he, now, now he's going to give them his word. He's going to tell them what to do. Go show yourselves unto the priest. They didn't argue with him. They didn't. They didn't stand there and say, well, now how's that going to help us? No, they didn't. As he said, go show yourselves the priest, it says, as they went, they were healed. Obedience, faithful obedience, will bring a change in your life. As these ten men went, they did what the Lord said. It says they were healed. Now let's go on here. Verse 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, and with a loud voice he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now why is that important? A Samaritan didn't have a covenant. He had no right to claim help from Jesus. He wasn't a Jew. 
Only the Jews had a right for healing. This man's a Samaritan. He's not even a Jew. And he comes back, and it says he falls down on his face and glorifies God, and, and it says, giving him thanks, he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered him. Answered what? He answered his worship. This man's worshiping the Lord. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Verse 18. There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger, Jesus said. This stranger to what? Stranger to the covenant, because he's not a covenant man. He doesn't have a covenant with me. Where are the other nine? Verse 19. And he answered him, Arise, go your way. Your faith had made you whole. Now, I want to say something about it. He says, your faith made you whole. His worship made him whole. Now, what happened here? Leprosy is a disease that it eats away body parts. Fingers fall off. Toes fall off. Noses parts of your body, it just falls off. When Jesus told the ten, go show yourself to the priest, it said, as they went, they were cleansed. What did that mean? That, mean, that meant that the leprosy was no longer contagious. It dried up. It ceased to be an infectious disease at that point. But one of them the Samaritan comes back and he worships the Lord. And Jesus has this discussion with him. He says, rise up, your faith has made you whole. As that man got up, fingers that he lost, toes that he lost, maybe a nose, pieces of his body that he lost grew back. Just like that. Because when you look at that word whole, it means nothing missing, nothing broken. So the Samaritan gets up, and you've got to see this. You've got to picture this. When he goes back and he finds his nine other buddies, what kind of a scene that must have been? Because his nine other buddies, they still have missing body parts. Now they're free to go, they're free to go anywhere in the country because they're no longer contagious. The priests see that see that the leprosy has stopped in their in their systems. They can now travel and talk to any, whoever they want to, but they're still missing parts of their bodies. But then here comes the Good Samaritan, the one that worshipped. We'll call him call his name Bob. Here comes Bob. And Bob looks at the other nine and says, Hey guys, how you doing? And they had to look at Bob and say, Who are you? What do you mean, who am I? I'm Bob. I'm the guy that was with you. Remember us ten? We saw Jesus. We... You're not Bob. You're not Bob. You're not that Bob. Because we don't have we don't have bodies. Our hands are gone, our fingers are gone. You're whole. What, what happened? 
And he tells them the story about how he fell down and he worshiped the Lord. The key is obedience and faith will bring change, but worship brings wholeness, completeness. That's the power of worship. That's the power of worship. Worship is a very, very powerful thing. And you know, it kind of amazes me today. We even see churches will put out a sign, out on their sign, and say, come worship with us on Sunday morning. And you go there, they don't ever spend any time worshiping at all. They sing a few songs, give a story, but they spend no time worshiping the Father. So what I want to do here, we're just going to take a few, few moments here, and we're going to spend some time worshiping the Father. Why? It's important. Worshiping brings his presence in. See, and you can do this anywhere. You can do this at home. You can do this in your car. All right? And I would encourage you. I know some of you, this may, you never, maybe you've never even done this before. Maybe this makes you feel awkward. That's your flesh. Why? Because you see, your flesh is resisting. And the Bible says your flesh is at war with God. Yeah. Your flesh is at war with God. That's why when God speaks to you, He does not speak to you in your flesh. Now, I know I, you, we all get goosebumps when we feel the presence of God, and we like that feeling, but see, God's not going to speak to you through your flesh, because why? He's already said in His Word, your flesh, my flesh, is at war with Him. So He's not going to speak to you through something that's at war with Him. How is He going to speak to you in your spirit? in here. That's why I said earlier, when it gets from here to here, things change. How long does that take? Well, it's up to each individual. It can take just a few moments. It can take a few weeks, months, years. It, it, it's different for, for different people. It, it, it really has to do with how, how much you're willing to grab a hold of this and say, by golly, change isn't coming to my life. I'm going to walk in the, in the presence of God. I'm going to walk in the peace of God. I'm not going to be led by my flesh. I'm going to be led by my spirit. Did you know that in Romans, it says that those are the, that are led by the spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God? Yeah. Those that are led by the spirit of God are sons and daughters. Well, what about those that aren't led by the Spirit of God? They're not sons and daughters. He didn't say they weren't children of God. There's a difference. The difference is big when you talk about a child of God versus a son or daughter. A son or daughter, for instance, a son or a daughter, you'll let them come run your business for you. Amen. Right? A child you won't. Your daddy is not going to give a five-year-old or a ten-year-old the keys to the business and say, here, take care of everything, I'm, I'm going. Why? They're just a child. They're just a child. But a son or a daughter, it's a whole different thing. When you're led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God will talk to you what, right here inside you,
That's where your spirit is. Your spirit is right inside you. You're born again, and I think everybody in here is a born-again Christian. Your spirit's right inside you. Now, one day, except Jesus come back first, one day, your, your spirit man's coming out of your body. And that flesh, will lay, that, flesh that earth suit, is going to stay here. But see, you don't, you don't quit existing. Your spirit's alive. And it comes out. And it goes to heaven. See, and that, for a Christian, should be something you look forward to, not something you dread. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to put condemnation on anybody because I was there. But if you fear death, okay, and you're a believer, there's one main thing that that points out. It points out a lack of relationship with the Father. Because when that time comes... You don't die like other people. You don't. You won't. You will not. I promise you. It's in the Word. You come out of your body before anything terrible ever happens. If you're out here on the highway, and you're driving down the highway, and you look up, and there's an 18-wheeler fully loaded coming at you, and you can't get out of the way, you are not going to feel that truck hitting your car. You're not going to feel it. Your spirit will come out of there before you ever feel that. Now, after the wreck, they'll, just, they'll describe your body. It won't be real good, but you see, you'll never feel a thing. Why? Because the mercy of God. You're his son. You're his daughter. He takes you out so you never experience Experience pain, suffering. What kind of father would, would allow his child to go through that? And our Heavenly Father loves us. So see, you, you even die differently than, than an unbeliever. An unbeliever, they're going to experience it. They're going to feel the crush of that car. They're going to feel the, the glass hitting them. And everything with it. But you don't, you, don't, you don't feel it the same way. That should give you peace. Not that you're looking forward to dying. And I'm not saying we should look forward to dying. Just understand that as a believer, we die differently. You know, when you read the Old Testament all about the old saints, how did they die? They just gave up the spirit. Yeah, they just closed their eyes. And they gave up the spirit. And they went home. That's how a believer goes. We should, we should live a long life. The Bible actually promises you and me 120 years. 120 years. That's, that's the promise we have. 120 years. But what happens if you're not led by the Spirit? You believe like the world that at 75 you should be dead because that people in the world, that, they die at that age. So what does the world start preparing for when they reach about age 60? They start preparing to die. Because in their mind, they've only got, at best, 15 more years. See how the devil will work on a Christian? He'll try to get a Christian to believe that that sickness in your body is going to kill you. 
And if you, if you respond to that threat by fear and trembling, it'll grab a hold of you and it won't turn you loose. Now, it's never too late for the Lord. You can repent and God will heal you. He's able, He's willing to, to deliver you. All right, let's just take a few moments here and we're going to worship the Lord, okay? Just right where you are and if anything, you'll, you'll learn something here. All right? You'll learn something. Father, we just come before you. Father, and we just worship you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for saving us, for filling us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And that, Father, you're, you're with us wherever we go. You, you said in your word, Father, you would never leave us. You'd never forsake us. And you never have. You never will. And we worship you for it, Father. We give you thanks and praise. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the times in our lives before we even knew you, that you saved us, that you healed us, that you delivered us, that you watched over us and protected us. Even when we were doing things of the world, things that we shouldn't have been doing, Father, that you were there protecting us and watching over us. We just worship you for that, Father. We worship you. We worship you and we praise you. I thank you, Father, for, for what you're doing in my family, in our church, Lord. We thank you, Father, that people are getting saved. We thank you, Father, that all my children, my grandchildren will serve you and they're, they're taught of you, Lord. They're taught of you because you said, you said in your word, Father, that, that you would teach our children. All of our children are taught of the Lord. All of our grandchildren, all of our great-grandchildren are taught of the Lord. You say, well, I don't even have any children yet. It's not too early to start praying for them. It's not too early to start praying for your grandchildren, even though you don't have children. You can start now. You can start now. Father, we worship you. We worship you. Father, we, we, we give you thanks for that. Father, you even cause us to be at peace with our enemies. You cause our enemies to be at peace with us. We thank you for the anointing on our lives, Father. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that he leads us and he guides us into all truth. Into all truth. Father, we ask you to help us to recognize that truth Recognize that unction in our spirits when you're, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And Father, we, we worship you for that unction. We worship you for that guidance. We thank you, Father, for healing in our lives. We thank you, for, Father, that, that because we're willing and because we're obedient, everything we put our hands to will prosper in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord. I want you to take your hands and, and, and look at them. Hold your hands up in front of your face and look at them. And I want you to say, everything, repeat after me, everything these hands touch will prosper in Jesus' name because the power of God is in me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
that power is in your hand. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit, not a like Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. You need that revelation. It's not a like one. It's the same one. You have death-raising power in you. And you need to get that revelation. You know, Jesus told the disciples, go out and preach the good news. He said, and he said, one of the things he said to them, raise the dead. He said, raise the dead. When's the last time you were at a church service and they raised the dead? It's a problem with the church today. There's a problem in the church today. And they'll justify it through religion. Well, God doesn't do that anymore. I'm sorry, my Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He ain't changing. Now, I'm not talking about somebody with, you know, when it's time for them to go, and they, they've lived a long, long, long life, and, and they wanted to go. No, I'm talking about somebody 21 years old dying, and all we can do is console the family. Let's get them in here and raise them from the dead. Let's lay our hands on them. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, dwells in you. See, the reason why they don't do it, because of fear. That's, that's the truth. The reason why the church doesn't do it is because of fear. You go into foreign countries, and they have, it happens all the time. They won't report it over here, but in foreign countries, people are getting raised from the dead. There's a place, I believe it's over in Singapore. And uh, they just routinely raise people in, the, in, their, in, the, in this village from the dead. And I remember a man of God went over there one time and, and he asked him, he said, how is it that you're able to raise so many people from the dead? And they told him this. They said, they said this story. I got two stories. One more story after this one we're dead. We're done. He said, it's real simple. When someone dies, we all gather around and we hold hands. And we start to praise and worship the Lord. And in a little while, we just ask, we say, Father, was it their time to go? And a lot of times the Father says, no, it wasn't. It wasn't their time. Then we ask him, say, Father, we thank you for raising them from the dead. We believe they're, they're alive now. Thank you for raising them from the dead. We just start to worship. And it's, we don't worship very long a lot of times. He said, in the beginning it took a while, but he said, we don't, now we usually don't have to worship very long. And they open their eyes and they get up. Now see, your flesh will say, well, then, if that's true, why don't we hear about it? Really? Do you think the news media likes to tell us good news? Do you think a lot of religious people like to tell us good news? They like to deny a lot of stuff in this Bible. Right? God's moving on this planet. Whether you believe it or not, He's moving. He's still doing miracles. You know, and I heard the story of this one woman one time. This is my last story and we're, we're closing. She's in, 
she'd been going to this church for, for years, about two or three years. And one day, the pastor came up to her and said, you know, I notice every time I talk about Jesus as the healer, you stand up and, and you start to worship. Now, she didn't stand up in the middle of everybody and make herself. She would be, she would, what she would do is she would go off to the side of the, of the congregation and stand off the side and she would just lift her hands to heaven and start worshiping. Every time she heard the pastor talk about Jesus as the healer. And she would weep and cry. And again, she wasn't drawing attention to herself. She was just doing this. She was worshiping the Lord. He said, but I noticed that every time I mention Jesus as the healer, you worship him and you start to cry. Would you share with me, what, what is that about? She said, well, pastor, and this really touches me. She said, 15 years ago, I had cancer and I was dying. And the Lord healed me. And every time I hear somebody talk about Jesus as the healer, I feel obligated just to worship him because he saved my life. And I heard that story and I was like, God, you did that for me too. I might not be here now. See, that it just changes everything. Worship. As you worship God, it shows that how thankful you are. Do tears mean that you're serious? No, but there's a connection. When your heart is into the worship to the degree that it brings emotions from out of you, it shows the sincerity, not the it shows how sincere you are with the Father. That's the most important part of worship, is it showing you're showing how sincere you are with heaven. And you think heaven's going to refuse you? No, they're not. Heaven will not refuse you. You will receive everything that heaven has for you. I don't care what it is you need. If it's healing in your body, if it's a new job, if it's a new vehicle, I don't care what it is. Maybe you need restoration of loved ones. Worship will bring it in. God is looking. He's seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. To do what? Well, the Word of God says he watches over his word to perform it. What's that mean? He's looking for you and me to stand up and say, I believe what that word says, and I'm not afraid to speak it. The Word of God says this about this situation. I'm speaking it. I believe I have it. And if I've got it, I'm not going to act like I don't have it. I'm not even long questioning when's it going to show up because I got it today. That's because that's what Jesus said. He said, you shall say to the mountain, be thou removed, cast in the sea, not doubt in your heart. You will have what you say. And if I have what I say, I have to act differently. But if I act like it's in the future, then I don't have it, do I? 
Do I? If I'm believing him for a new vehicle, I don't say, okay, I believe I've got that new vehicle, and when it shows up, I'm going to get me a wax kit, and I'm going to get this to take care of that vehicle. I've just put it in the future. See how the, how, how the devil will work on you? He'll get you to put something in the future. Or if it's in, the fu if it's in tomorrow, it'll always be tomorrow. Because tomorrow's in the future. Faith, in Hebrews, it says, faith is now. Now faith is. Present. So when I worship the Father, I worship Him from the standpoint, I have it. He's seeking such that will worship Him in spirit and truth. Amen? Let's stand up. Did you get something today? Did you get something in your spirit? Father, I thank you, Lord, that each and every person received something from heaven that will remain that will remain in them forever. And it's growing because it's not a corruptible seed. It's an incorruptible seed. The Word of God is incorruptible. means it does not change. It does not rot. It's forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm sorry, what's your name again? <laughs>